sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. And welcome to another Business Eye Friday. Yes, myself and Simon are looking at each other. It's Simon, you know, it's like looking at you through a window now. It's no longer Zoom. It's just I'm looking at you through a window each and every week. So how are you? How's your week been? It's good. It feels like about three days, not seven days. But no, it's been good and uh, yeah, busy-ish and uh I can't believe it's the end of January already. So um, I don't think many people will miss January 2021. So here comes February anyway. <laughs> here comes February, the shortest, the shortest month of the year. This week, we want to speak about the impact of lockdown has on small businesses. And one of our guests is Wendy Merrigan, and she's going to be coming on later on. But who have we got today to start off today with? Yeah, so we have uh, you know, a very special, important guest, uh, uh, Neil McDonald, who is the chief executive at ISME, the Irish Small Medium Enterprise Organization. And he's been chief executive now, I think, for five or six years, five years at least, and uh, has a background in, in the, uh, the Irish Defence Forces, uh, the petroleum industry. Uh, and since joining ISME, Neil has been especially active uh, in a number of issues around insurance, cost for small business, um, uh, Irish industri- indigenous industrial policy, and I've heard you, Neil, uh, quite a, quite a few times on the media, and I love the way that you say it as it should be say, said in terms of, you know, advocating for the SME sector. I mean, you know, my business is an SME, is a small business, and you know, it's the backbone of every capitalist economy, and particularly in Ireland. And I think it really, really needs a strong advocate such as is me and, and you're you're doing a fantastic job so welcome neil thanks simon welcome thanks, neil to the show neil do you feel that you're coming a bit of a celebrity on the airwaves the way the world has has changed certainly the amount of media interaction has really stepped up since um since covid uh and i'm, I'm glad to hear you know simon's remarks um about just the, the one thing that you know we most proudly uh, show of ourselves is our independence. So our message um, to the small business community, to society, um, is not constrained by big members, uh, uh, large companies or anything like that. Um, for our National Council, who set the policy uh, that you hear me voice, uh, it's one man, one woman, one vote. Um, you, you you don't get two votes or three votes by having a larger turnover. And those people are willing to take one for the team. There are many policy uh, issues we advocate on that aren't actually in the interests of all the SMEs on our National Council or indeed our membership. But people have a collective understanding about what's good for society. You know, one of the things that sparks is that small businesses are the lifeblood of this country. You know, we one of the things that which I get slightly upset about is that, you know, people kind of go, oh, we're flying and, and the economy are there. And, and, you know, it's it's like Amazon are doing extremely well at the moment. And I sort of say to people, you know, Amazon didn't hire you when you were 18. 
you went to your local shop when you were 18. You know, you went down to the local shop and you had a laugh or they were that connection with the old person, with society. And there's that community. And even though we're all online and there is some businesses doing well online, the smaller business, that brick and mortar, you know, the stuff that we grew up with is disintegrating. It's being destroyed. You know, I don't want to bore your listeners with the figures, but um, this, the simple reality is that the, the only subhead, tax subhead, that the multinationals beast the SMEs on is, and you, you would have guessed it, on corporation tax. But on all other areas uh, in the productive economy, and, and that's the economy minus uh, the, the public uh, service and the semi-state sector, the employment in the small business sector makes up more than half of the tax take. Uh, it's uh, 55% of tax in PRSI, um, and it's uh, two-thirds, it's, it's around 65% of uh, VAT. So, uh, and the really scary figure actually is it's 75%, 74% of employment in the productive sector. So uh, if the SME sector catches a cold and not to strain the analogy, but uh, society is really going to get the flu, it, it is that serious for us. But, you know, what looking at household spending, you know, we know that supermarkets have jumped up. You know, there's an increase in hardware stores, the price, you know, the percentage there and in supermarkets. But household spending has to have dropped. Yeah, it, it is strange. We, we have had um, so the, there are a number of conflicting things here. The central bank will show that uh, household savings are ballooning. Um, they are being supported um, uh, by the state, but there's, but there's a number of artificial uh, things going on at the moment. So first of all, our tax system is highly progressive. And as you go, as, as earnings trend down to 25,000 and below, the tax system actually takes very little off you by comparison to what it does on the continent. And Therefore, you, you have the government and the exchequer looking at the figures and saying, well, PAYE is holding up. And it's holding up because um, a lot of people in, in the non-essential uh, sector are capable of working from home uh, and maintaining productivity um, as we three uh, uh, lucky gents are uh, on, on this call. Um, but... There is a really significant uh, cohort of lower-paid employees that are effectively subsisting on state handouts at the moment. So on the one hand, yes, there is pent-up uh, demand to spend, and that's represented in central bank deposits. But on the other hand, there's another cohort of people who have lost a job, uh, they're on state benefits, and it is going to take a long time to sort uh, for the economy to sort them out. Uh, and Neil, what about the psyche of the small and medium business owner? I mean, you know, my my hairdresser here in Churchtown, just a great, great guy. And you know, it's it's open, it's closed, it's open, it's closed. I mean, it's kind of like a form of torture, you know, when you look at it objectively. How are you seeing the psyche of, you know, whether you're seeing this through surveys, through your membership? Because it's not easy. It's the, the you know, lack of certainty is one of the hardest things for everybody. 
Yeah, we have been surveying sentiment. Uh, you, you know, this stuff is uh, objectively very hard to measure, but we have been surveying sentiment um, amongst the SME community since May. And obviously, sentiment was very low. It was on the floor at the time of the first lockdown. It improved during the summer. Um, it declined again then in September, but it, it elevated again uh, at Christmas. It uh, And we're just about to issue the next one, and I think that's going to show a decline in sentiment again. So you're absolutely right, Simon. Um, sentiment follows, it very closely follows um, the activity in the economy. <clears throat> um, I, I think the common theme, of, of course, businesses would love to be open, but they recognise that they can't be. But what is extremely frustrating for them is... Uh, and, you know, I, I've been on calls with the uh, the Irish Scientific Advisory Group. You know, sometimes we have been accused of, you know, saying throw the economy open and, and free for all. And, and, and even some of the scientists on the scientific advisory group said, you know, your press releases, we could have written some of them. Um, but what we're saying is we would rather absorb the pain now, but have a clear plan for how we're getting out of this. This just... A lot of what's happening at the moment is a matter of extreme frustration and continuous lockdowns are simply just not the way to go. Like just touching back on, you know, some of the revenue losses to local businesses due to lockdown and around, we were we were talking there earlier on that two and five micro-sized firms and one and two small, medium-sized firms face a revenue shortfall between March and June of last year was was about between six and ten billion. That's an awful lot of money that's going in and out of the exchequer. Of course it is. And um, when when you look at again, <laughs> we we do spend an awful lot of our time citing very boring figures. But even those uh, parts of of the SME demography where you have lower skilled workers who who who. You know they're they're not um, they're not making IT sector earnings, um, but they are in gainful employment, um, and by virtue of that, they are not a burden on the state. So, what people don't realise that is that even someone who's making twenty five or thirty thousand uh, euros a year, uh, firstly, they are making a contribution to society. They are not a burden on the social fund or the exchequer. Uh, they're making a contribution in terms of USC, PRSI, and PAYE, but they're also making a contribution in terms of VAT as uh, spending members of society. So the swing, the, the revenue swing against the state, when you take that person out of even, even uh, a job in a, a barbershop or behind the counter in a shop, um, in a convenience store, when you remove that person from that employment and then you add in just a standard job seekers allowance, which is two, two, uh, 103 euros a week, that, that that's costs 10,500 euro per person per annum. Before we start talking about the elevated rates we have at the moment under the PUP. So the swing against the state coffers as a result of this is absolutely massive. What, what, what about what, sorry, Joe, just something that just I hadn't thought about before. But you, you know, obviously, you hear about the tech sector doing well and supermarkets, etc. But 
But I just have this perception that nearly all SMEs are struggling. But 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 is that really the case, or are there any subsectors within the SME sector that are doing okay or even excelling? You know, or are there none? I mean, just out of interest. No, no, it certainly isn't across the board. And we have some of the uh, professional service providers are actually doing very well. Um, the other thing we see is that. Um, while we have complained that the debt solutions available from government at the moment, the, the um, uh, SBCI loans, uh, the Brexit loans, the credit guarantees, the <laughs> demand for those has been exceptionally low. Um, however, one, one package that is of interest because it's, it's structured around businesses that are restructuring the Future Growth uh, Loan Fund has been doing very well. And we have just issued our, our Bankwatch survey uh, yesterday. Um, and you'll see it on social media today. But that is proving very popular. Now, when I've asked some of the accountants uh, that um, uh, in our membership, what's behind that? They say that there are actually a lot of SMEs that came into this recession in a healthy state, they have a healthy balance sheet, and they are now looking at expansion or acquisition. Uh, so, you know, I, I know it's really bad news for some of those businesses that are going to um, not make it through this, but it's it's almost a process of rapid natural selection. Uh, and, and we are going to have a cohort of in certain sectors that are actually going to be healthier as a result of this you know the one thing as well that if there there are industries are doing well and we look at the industry themselves but we know the people that are working in those industries because they're working at home and because of lockdown they're suffering mentally you know there's there's all these other issues that are are, that are appearing The, the silent issue that it oh i'm grand but behind the scenes in that family unit and we have the statistics to show that as well um, one thing I well, look well, at Joe, is one thing I, I would say to you on that because that's that's very important. Um, when people ring us up for information, it's normally very transactional, and you're directing them into websites, and you're saying, "Well, if you want to claim this, you go here, and the tax relief on that is there." And when you get to the when you transmit that information, people go, "Yeah, okay, thank you." In the last six or seven months it is very evident that when you transmit that information, the other person doesn't want to get off the phone. And you know that what they're not, they're not actually information seeking. They're sitting in a room on their own. They have no one else to talk to. And there are things going on that are beyond the commercial. So you're absolutely, so you may have seen a lot of our output in the last number of months has included the links to the mental health advice services of the HSE simply just, because we're going, these people actually need to be getting help that is not available, unfortunately, for me. Like, so that, that's at, a very important uh, uh, comment to make. Like, look at the statistics at the moment. The statistics, are just, you know, there was 3,450 women and 589 children contacted domestic violence services for the first time, you know, and an average of 1,920 women and 411 children received responses support from domestic violence services every month you know and the the calls that are coming in is it's an average of 184 calls a day these are 
these are the, the, you know, the underlying issues with lockdown. When we look at lockdown, we look at a virus. But the elephant in the room is all this other stuff that's there that it's going to cause a, a lot more damage in the long run on it. And one of the things that one of the things that I was sort of mulling over my head today before I came on, we're all in business and for a company to do well, you know, we look at what everyone else is doing and we try and do it differently. But we look at all the governments are looking at the same thing and they're all doing the same thing. There's no, I haven't seen one government go, you know, everyone else is trying this and it's not working. And, you know, recession is coming, you know, like in, in England, you know, they reckon it's going to be um, devastated there. But could we not have a government going, OK, everyone else is trying this and it's not working. Let's try this and see if this works. Like Sweden or, you know. Finland or New Zealand or Australia or Taiwan. Yeah. I understand what you're you're asking, Joe. I suppose one of the reasons we have made a conscious decision at council level among ISME not not to second-guess the government advice in those areas is to avoid... uh, what the Americans call the Monday morning quarterback syndrome, where it's it's very easy uh, to be dispensing advice, uh, <laughs> especially in areas where you know nothing about. Um, the the only area where we have um, become quite vocal uh, in the lead up to Christmas um, is, uh, and and it's not that we're suggesting we know better than Neffet or the government, but what we have been doing is. Um, relying on the information coming out from uh, the WHO, uh, from the EU Commission, and from our own HICWA um, about the other sorts of measures that government should be taking. And specifically, we have been saying in those workplaces that are essential, we should be doing rapid antigen testing on people in those workplaces. And now we see today that it's going to happen, but only because the only way French the French will let in our truckers is if they pass an antigen test. So that's going through. It's frustrating. We're going to we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And when we come back, we're going to uh, listen to Wendy Merrigan. You're listening to Business Eye, sponsored by your local enterprise office in Dunleary Ratdown. Together, we're making it happen. Yes, folks. And as I was just saying on the show, there, um, our one of our guests couldn't make it in today, so I interviewed her yesterday. Um, and I asked her some questions and I think the questions are very important. As I say, the impact of lockdown on small businesses, but also from a financial point of view, and especially with the revenue and people trying to do their returns and just the mindset as well. So I have Wendy Merrigan on the line. So Wendy, look, this week's show, we're talking about the, the impact on small business with lockdown. You are in the trenches. You're dealing with a lot of companies out there. What are your thoughts and what are you hearing back from your clients in this lockdown, which probably is the hardest out of all the lockdowns? Yeah, I think people are definitely finding this one harder. Um, it's one thing when businesses are closed, but when it impacts the schooling is when it's having a massive impact on business owners. So doing normal day-to-day work while 
trying to look after your children. Now, I don't have children, Joe, but this is what I'm hearing from clients. And especially we've just had tax filings. We're going to come up against filings for CRO in the next month. So everything that potentially should only take a short bit of time, add in homeschooling, add in you know, the government system's not working properly and they're saying that it's due to homeschooling and level five issues, but they're not extending deadlines on the other side for business owners. What Can you elaborate on, you know, what systems are down within the government? Yeah. So, for example, last week, Friday, the 22nd, we were due to do VAT filings for annual return of trading details for businesses. And the system wasn't ready for the VAT change that happened to the 21%. So a lot of people tried to force in incorrect details, but the revenue only sent out a notification on Friday evening to say that we had an extension up to March to file that return, which again is very unfair. Bookkeepers, accountants, tax people trying to file things. And literally we're getting notified at the last minute that it's okay that these things you know, can be pushed out a bit. But for anybody who needs to work ahead of time and has a lot to deal with, you know, that pressure is massive. Another one is the CRO's website. So the new introduction of the site was to be all singing, all dancing from mid-December, which was brilliant because we were looking forward to the fact that the system was going to be made easier. In December, so we all came back then, January, and there's a lot of glitches on the system. There's a lot of new things to learn. There's a lot of little tweaky things. You know, filing a small return um, might have taken 10 minutes before. And now, you know, the system is just slow. It can stop. We don't know what's wrong. We're trying to figure it out. There's just so many small things that are taking longer. It's a new yeah. learning curve on it. We only have until the 26th of February though, right? So we had this nine week period that we would have had, you know, to get things done with the new system. So this is now getting shorter and shorter. So now we have like five weeks and there the CRO said, bear with us, you know, until we can actually get through some of these issues. We're trying to fix them. And in the meantime, they haven't extended out our deadline on the other side. I do know with the revenue as well, we have to give credit to the revenue if there is an issue or someone is having a concern and you pick up the phone and have a chat with them. They understand and they do work out uh, plans with people. And and that is the good thing. You know, years ago when you rang the revenue, you were terrified. Now I have to admit there's there's a human element to the revenue. And that is the nice, the nice thing of it. Yeah. What's the likes with the likes of local rates for, you know, small businesses that are paying rates and that have been closed for X amount of time? Do they still have to pay those rates or is there a hold on them? There is a hold on those. Yeah. But again, you know, some of the incentives are, you know, the grants that are there they don't apply to every business you know and some businesses are paying rent and the rates might be included so if the landlord doesn't agree to a reduced rate you know and rates then that's no benefit to the business owner it's been mixed between landlords given some kind of break to their tenants and some being taken a very harsh line and I know everybody has debt to pay and I know everybody has their liabilities, but yeah, it is the mortgages and everything yeah. as well. That, yeah, that, that go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Also then, 
have we learned over the last 12 months that we can apply to the next 12 months and get it get it right? So a lot of people have taken a new direction with their business or have done stuff online. We know that. Um, and this time, immediately when Level 5 was introduced, we had a lot less queries than previous times, which is fine. Um, the joy this time was Brexit kicking in in January as well. So businesses have a mat on top of it. But what we learned, I mean, people are just resilient. They're going to keep on pushing through when they can and prioritize what's important. Try to stay focused. I mean, we had a chat before about goals and whether or not somebody can stay on track with what they hope to achieve this year. And when I talk to people, yeah, we can still take control of that and we can still have a plan for the future Um, and it is just digging deep on our reserves of resilience absolutely as human beings we're resilient we are yeah um there is those elements that causes a lot of fear and anxiety a lot of people have lost their jobs there's no denying that you know if you're in a household in a house in dublin and you've been put on a pandemic payment and your mortgage, you know, there's people out there, the mortgage are two grand a month and all the other stuff. There's a, there's a weight on their shoulders that this is all building. And, you know, they're the losers. They really are the losers on it. Yeah. Who? In, it's a question that I'm asking everyone today. And I'll ask it to you. Who are the winners in out of 2020? It is the K economy. I can see online doing so well so with retail closing online sales for irish businesses is through the roof and i think there are christmas when everybody got really focused on where they were buying their gifts from everybody focused on buying irish thankfully and so those irish businesses did really well and others by changing what they do and how they operate they've surprised themselves on what they can do. So instead of thinking local and having a premises, taking certain things online has given them a worldwide audience now, which is taken off for their businesses. So yeah, it's just amazing what has come out of this as well. I know it's awful for everybody that's lost their job, but it is a case of trying to make the most of what we have. Me, I got a gift voucher from Amazon. And if you're buying anything from England now, there's going to be a charge. Like I bought at the Amazon and it was 32 euros and there was eight euros on top of it because it was buying it from England. Now just got another eight euros on top of it. And that's going to be on everything over the certain thresholds in, in the UK that people go, hang on, let me see if I can buy that in Ireland now. And yeah, yeah. yeah. and they are going to be the winners, thankfully. Yeah. yeah. And other EU countries. You know, you can see people really pay attention to where they're ordering from now. And it is like the postman's showing up with the credit card and the credit card machine for people to pay for their purchases, which they weren't expecting. Nobody wants that. Nobody. (laughs) No, no, definitely not. But look, that's it. Um, Give us with one tip. If you're struggling, I'd say talk to revenue like you said they are very open and we find that hard because we're talking for a lot of people but if you do talk directly to them you will get you will get a considerate response definitely yeah 
So if anyone wants to catch it, it's on wendyamerican.ie and you'll be able to share lots of wisdom and advice with them on it. Thank you for coming on. It was Wendy. Would you agree with what she has to say? You know, that you know, the, a lot of people are buying more Irish now than they were buying um, from the UK, especially with Brexit and stuff. Yeah, I, I was fascinated with that, Joe, because I, I just had uh, a conversation this week uh, with one of our affiliated organisations uh, among the jewellers. And interestingly, and they, were, um, they weren't shy about saying, you know, uh, well, I know I spoke to one jeweler. He said he'd had the best Christmas in 40 years. Um, and he said what was interesting was that the city centre jewellers in Dublin weren't doing well, but the suburban jewellers in Dublin and the regional jewellers in the country uh, reported that people were buying local and they were making a real effort to buy Irish. So they've done very well. They are obviously very keen now that ahead of Valentine's Day, uh, because, of course, they're now shut down again. So we're there another group of shopkeepers that just have, have to close the doors. <clears throat> but <clears throat> if, if they can maintain an online presence and if they're permitted to do some click and collect, because uh, especially with bespoke jewellery, for example, people are reluctant to buy online. Um, you, know, it, it, you know, we could rescue something from this. But yes, of course, there are we have to face the, the fact that there are some winners and losers in this. Yeah, I, I get annoyed because I went down to the Tesco's to buy my shopping and I couldn't buy a pair of socks because it wasn't classed as, you know, an essential item. So I'm yeah. sitting here with a hole in my sock, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, I hate, I don't want to get negative here, but one thing to add to this mix is the dreaded B word, the Brexit. And, uh, you know, this is superimposed on all this, this soup of confusion and chaos and, and whatever. And, you know, I'll be a bit outspoken here. You know, as an SME owner, I get the impression that some politicians and policy makers think that we've got nothing better to do than read arcane policies and directives and stuff. Whereas if I'm a florist in, in Ireland, I just need to know what are the things I need to know from a Brexit perspective that are relevant to my business and what are the things I need to action? Or if I'm a coach or a consultant in Ireland, what are the things that are not relevant to me? And I think that's what ISME seems to do well. It seems to interpret the complex arcane things and give the answers as best as it can. I mean, SMEs just need the answers, right? Would you agree with that, Neil? Yeah, well, we really do try. And I think, you know, to be absolutely fair to everyone, you have to remember that, you know, Brexit has been a real shock to the SME system in particular. Uh, we didn't get the green light on a deal until Christmas Eve. Um, and it was an extremely skinny deal. Um, it was a, a free trade agreement only, but people have associated a free trade deal with uh, meaning that there would be, or they've conflated that with the notion of uh, there being no cost to this. But the UK has left the single market and it has left the customs union. Uh, so it is commercially more distant from us now than Iceland, Norway, Switzerland or Turkey. Uh, and that brings, that has huge consequences. And I mean, you know, only this morning I was dealing with our um, Irish Bakers Association and, you know, they're looking at 
significant increases in the price of bread from March, April onwards, uh, simply because of the amount of flour we buy from the UK. Um, but uh, SMEs ha- are hugely dependent on the UK to import from and to export to. Our, our bigger companies um, export much more globally and into continental Europe. But the small businesses tend to be very focused on Britain. And, you know, it, it's you can't click your fingers overnight and, and have a French market or an Italian market. That really does take time. And they have not had time to do it. So they're really suffering at the moment. So we, we know with Brexit that, you know, Flanders have opened up a lot of new channels and Spain have op- opened up a new channels as well. But, you know, it's, it, it's still the, the logistics and still the shipping um, I don't think there's enough ships to get us across, but and that that is changing. Um, but just just I want to just revert back to lockdown and and into into Ireland. What is your idea, or what is your what is your belief that what we we need to do over the next couple of months to get this sorted, and so that and so that it that we're prepared for a year, two years down the road, that that we we survive as a country. That, that's a really important thing to focus on, Joe, from, from our point of view, because um, what we don't want to see is that we get our caseload per 100,000 down below the 1,000 again, get, get it to a few hundred, uh, and then we blob along with a semi-open market in level two or level three restrictions, and then we're faced with the same figures again. I have to say, uh, and I availed of the opportunity at Christmas to go out for a dinner with friends, uh, and it was just a couple of guys in a restaurant uh, that was, you know, doing everything they could uh, to maintain social distance and another hygiene. But when I was walking around town, I have to say I was appalled by what I saw, and I was not surprised at all with the figures that emerged. So... Are going to have to um, maintain. You, you, you will have seen in every email we send now that we have the government uh, hygiene and social distancing advice. But what we're saying is, when we get these figures down, we, we cannot rely purely on lockdown as our only tool and and, and the vaccine. So we we have said, and you know. Uh, we recognise that there are workplaces that have to be open now where we said we have to have rapid antigen testing in those workplaces paid for by the government when they come back. And I, I don't know about you, I have a parent in a nursing home. I want to see the, the workers in that nursing home tested every single day. That's possible with antigen testing. Gardaí who have to come into work should be tested every single day. Our health workers in our hospitals should be tested every single day. When our, core, uh, when our schools open in the second week of March now, it looks like, those, those teachers should be tested every single day in order to protect them, but also in order to protect us so that we can really rapidly isolate anyone who is symptomatic or infected and send them home for two weeks. And that's how you, that's how you kill this virus. You don't do it by letting us concertina in and out of lockdown every, every couple of months. It's insane. Can I ask a question? Statistic wise, for all this, when we were in lockdown and the only place that we're actually going to is supermarkets, Dunn's, Tesco, Aldi and, and so on. What is the rate of infection in the staff 
of all these um, supermarkets? Is it high? Is it low? Because that's no. where everyone's congregating. The, the, to, to be fair, uh, the HSE is publishing those uh, epidemiological figures weekly with a 14-day look back. And it is those figures that we look at. Um, uh, and, and obviously, look, we have an interest in this because we represent uh, members who are in those sectors of trade. <clears throat> but retail transmission and transmission in the grooming industry has been negligible. It has been 0.3 of 1% in retail and grooming settings, respectively. Uh, and yet they are shut down. Meanwhile, we have allowed large public congregations to take place over Christmas in other settings. So this is the absence of joined up thinking. We're now, we're 10, almost 11 months into this now. People are adult and mature enough to be told we can relax some of our sectors, but these are the things you cannot do from yeah. here on in. Yeah. Neil, you mentioned a lack of joined up thinking. And, you know, I, I heard earlier today that places like Finland, New Zealand, Australia, China, Taiwan, pretty much zero COVID. And then the Biden administration <laughs> last week announces, I haven't read it, but it seems to be a comprehensive strategy. Right. And I spend my day listening to talk radio and I've not once in 10, 11 months heard or seen or been pointed to an Irish strategy for, for Ireland. Is there a strategy? I, I, I suppose, and again, you're you're getting into an area where we are reluctant to start telling people uh, with greater expect, expertise than us. But one thing we said very early on is that Nefert, which is, uh, and we've never criticised the individual members of Nefert who are, you, you know, very well-meaning uh, uh, people, but they are, to a man and woman, they are fully paid civil servants. So they don't have an exposure, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but they are not afflicted with the real-life considerations that affect everyone else, that, you know, December was bad. I could go to the ATM. I will not have any money. Now, that is not going to affect people who are... are, are, are every member of that team is paid between 100 and 150,000 euros a year. So we need to have an injection of, I, 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 we're not saying open up the economy and let it rip. But what we are saying is, if you have people who, who can go into that room and say, we, we can safely operate in the following way. We, we represent, for instance, a lot of people in the grooming uh, business who've spent a huge amount of money getting their premises safe for punters to come in who can't at the moment. But what we know is happening in the meantime is that their employees are now working in the grey economy and they're going into people's houses and they're doing uh, doing their hair with, without uh, use of proper equipment or sterilisation or anything like that. So there are unintended consequences from having people who have this sort of statist, corporatist, civil service mindset as the exclusive mediators of how we deal with this uh, COVID crisis. There was one thing that I noticed, and it was pointed out to me by uh, a taxi man, actually, uh, in the first COVID, that the underworld never slept. You know, when everyone else was locked down, the underworld was the one keep going. And now what's happened is there's a grey world appearing as well. Um, 
some people in the business world that we speak to have said to me they're annoyed with the with the government and the reason because the task force that is there to help the economy push forward has no business people in it, you know, um, and they would love to see more the likes of yourself and other people from different sectors getting involved for that greater think tank. Um, and that's where the frustration is on it. I know that the the WHO said they were going to change the settings on the PCR this week. Um, I think it was said it was last week. And if because they said that it, you know, I think they said it was a slight fault in it. I believe that if that setting is changed, you're going to see less numbers. Um, and the reason being because after, you know, I've spoken to people that when you're shoving it up the nose and back into the throat, as the joke has said, if you're looking for gold, you'll find it. But because they're changing the collaboration, we probably might see less less numbers coming through as well. So that might be a good a good sign. Um, I think we're all just frustrated. You know, we're, we we are genuinely Ireland has it's a, you know saints and scholars, but we are genuinely frustrated. And I think the one thing that we need to do is unite because there is a huge divide going on. You know against and for in the country you know there's families falling out there's people who are actually terrified you know there's some people that i know that haven't left their house for six seven months and you know how do we moving forward how do you feel that we unite the country and again i'll ask you and what we've learned for from the last 12 months for the, for the next 12 months um, I think th this is a bit like any form of crisis management. And um, perversely, I think Ireland is reasonably good at crisis management, back to the wall stuff. What we're actually very bad at is steady state management of normality. So what we have been saying all along um, very consistently is that now when we're in lockdown, we need a clearly communicated message about what the expectation of society will be, how the government will regulate this. And it can be done, for instance, by setting an expectation around the caseload per 100,000 and say, if we maintain it at this, then these are the measures we will have, we will take in public. If it goes above this, then, then, then we will, then we will um, take more stringent measures. When you do that, you can get people used to what needs to be done. But we also need to, uh, uh, again, we've consistently said, as an art, uh, we have been speaking on WHO advice, that the key to this is not persistent lockdown. It is test, trace, isolate and control. We know we can't trace now when the caseload is as high as it is. But when we get it down, we want people to be who, people who do have to go to a, a workplace to be tested in that workplace. If they're symptomatic or uh, if they test positive, they should be sent home. And we should be doing that throughout society in all essential workplaces. And then obviously it's, it's, it's a matter of how fast the vaccine uh, program rolls out. But we should be communicating that now while we're in lockdown, not uh, on the 5th or 6th of March. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, Neil, I mean, you, you're the voice of reason. I mean, you talked about that privileged, secluded class that doesn't, we're not criticizing them, but they do need to listen to the grassroots Irishman and Irishwoman, you know. And, and then you mentioned the need for this clear, steady strategy. 
and not wait for that crisis. And and I, for me, you've summed it up perfectly. And you say it in a respectful way, but I think we need to hear politicians seeing saying this more in this respectful, positive, creative, innovative way. You know, and that's my hope. <laughs> Yeah, you know, or Simon, and, and hopefully that does take off. There, the, the, unfortunately, I mean, within within the political sphere, there are people who are trying to catastrophize this for their for their own personal gain, for their uh, political profile. But we do need calm and rational heads, and I'm glad to say we have a, a good number of those as well um, advocating for what you've just said. I, I always believe it's not the organization, you know, you can't blame an organization. It's, you know, if it's sometimes it's a small amount of people or a person that gives an organization a bad name or makes a bad call. So it's there is good people. I say, you know, people are pointing at the government screaming. There are good people in the government. There are good politicians. There are, you know, people that want us to get out of this and aren't are in it genuinely for the citizens of the country and not for their own agenda. I honestly believe that, that we there is good people and they will shine through. They will shine through on it. On it. I, I'd agree, Joe. And I, I would say also that people have a, an immense capacity to bear bad news if you tell them very straight. And if you don't attempt to sugar the pill every time, it, but you have to have a plan for what comes afterwards. So if people are told we're in the worst, if, uh, bar the initial two weeks back in March of last year, we're in the worst form of lockdown uh, we've we've seen so far. So if people are given a set of uh, objective goals uh, that can be achieved, if we can maintain low numbers, and and you know the, the government will enjoy quite a lot of freedom from the citizenry to to really flatten the curve in an aggressive way. Um, but but the government in return has to show a, a really clear path out of this that does not involve sequentially closing down business. I, I would agree. Look, the two things to say to, to, three things to say to people, you know, lateral thinking, you know, really important. It's think for yourself and question everything. Question everything. And there's a bit of truth in everything as well. You know, if if people just sort of follow those guidelines, you know, I think we'll we'll be all right. Thanks for coming on, and we hope that you'll come on the show again. So there you have it, Simon. There you have it. What's what's your thoughts on the whole thing? What's your uh, thoughts? Oh well, I think I think Wendy was excellent, and she gave the you know her views from a practitioner's perspective. And there's all sorts of confusion, but but I think you're right. I think you know most people are trying their hardest. I mean, dare I say, even politicians and policy makers and people in you know the tax environment and the company office. I think they are. And then my big takeout from Neil was that, you know, he speaks a lot of good truth, right? I mean, he's not lambasting the, I think he talked about, you know, the secluded privileged class of policymakers and politicians. Again, most of them are trying the hardest, but I do think, I think what he hit it on the head where, where he said that we need to get away from this reactive way of doing things in Ireland. Um, and it's not just Ireland. And, and use this time now to be forward thinking the strategy. And I don't know whether that's being done enough. So, yeah, but I'm an optimist, Joe. <laughs> like it is indeed. Just going back there as well. Uh, we mentioned that supermarkets are up 7%. Hardware, painting and glass are up 9%. And specialist food stores are up 11%. Yeah. So 
you know, there's yeah. there is the the good. You have to look at the good and the bad out of it. There's yeah. one thing that is scratching my head on this whole COVID thing, and I'm just going to give you these figures. This is to do with the deaths in Ireland over the last couple of years. So look at say 2017, there was 30,140 deaths. That was 6.3 percent of the economy. Then there was in 2018, it was. 31,116. In 2019, it was 31,134. And then in 2020, it was 22,416. Now, these figures are coming from, from the CSO. So looking at all the years and with a pandemic in 2020, the death rates had dropped. I, I, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. Nobody talks about this, you know, and, and convert. So there's, I mean, I'm not diminishing COVID. It's real uh, and, and it's been tragic for many it people. It is, yeah, but, yeah. But, but, but I don't hear enough talk, people talking about, um, you know, the mental illness that's being generated as a result of the severity of the lockdown and, 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 and the fact, as you said, I mean, in real terms, according to these numbers, you know, there's been a real drop, Right. Nobody, I mean, nobody's talking about this stuff. And you do wonder why there's this constant, constant, constant focus just on COVID. And we're not talking about mental health and we're not talking about cancer and all this other stuff. Joe, why? Why do you think? I believe that we're being NLP'd on mainstream TV. You know, um, you know fear sells. Um, and unfortunately, we've known this before. The during the recession, um, many years ago, people switched off because all it was was bad news, bad news. Um, you know, I think there's there's a happier a happier world out there, and I think if if we unite as people, and you know, be a bit more thick skin, and you know, accept if someone doesn't agree with you or you don't agree with someone else, that's okay. Switch yeah. it off. Switch off the stuff. You know, we there's a divide. I think we just have to love. Love each other. Yeah. You know, no, I, that's, no, that's I, it. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. We've only got one go at this. And um, yeah, yeah I, 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 that's the first time I've seen those numbers. I'm actually shocked that the numbers, the overall deaths are down in 2020 compared to 2019. Yeah. I mean, yeah. why is this not being discussed anyway? Anyway. But look, we're going to, we, we have some of the information that we've done on a research from the show and that will be on the website as well today that people can pull up and have a look and you know you know it's all about as i said don't take everything as face value question everything lateral thinking and there's a bit of truth in everything that's it yeah no absolutely and as you said love joe love love, love. <laughs> folks thanks for tuning in to business eye this week and before we go i just want to give a big shout out to everyone that's involved here at dublin south fm Peter Rice, the station manager, Hartwick Keeley, who helps us with a research each and every week, and Simon as well, my co-host. And not forgetting all the engineers. So from ourselves here at Dublin South FM, have a great weekend, be safe and look after yourself.